Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Welcome to season two of Cambridge Islamic College's podcast, the Tafsir of Surah Kaf. How can we prefer the afterlife over this life? How can we prefer faith over materialism? Sheikh Akram's Tafsir of Surah Al-Kaf explores this in the light of the Quran, the challenging issues of the modern times, and what guidance we can get from this surah to find a solution. Assalamu alaikum, Sheikh. Um, my question is: Can someone tell me that? A woman can pray if they're around people who are mahram to them, even if their arms are showing. What's the matter? So, can, women can, can women pray with, with their mahram even if their arms are showing? Yeah, that, that's the question. Yeah. You know, the thing is about the prayer is, uh, I don't understand why, why what is the purpose about mahram there. Oh, no. Why are you missing mahram in the prayer? If, if, there's, if there's mahram, you can pray with, with your arms showing. If there's if you're, you know, the if you're strangers, you have covering to cover your arms. Prayer is nothing to do with the people, with the mahram or not mahram. Even if praying alone, it is the same covering. You know, whatever people have to cover in the prayer, that covering must be done even if people pray alone. Nothing to do with anybody else, with the mahram or not mahram, to first understand. And all the, all the body of the women must be covered when they pray, except the face, except the palm, or except the feet. Prayer to Hanafi mother that most prefer to that. But some of other parts are if uncovered, so still prayer can be valid. For example, uh, a kind to Hanafi Abu Yusuf Rahmullah Ta'ala, if uh, from the hand, for example, from here up to here, half is less than half is uncovered, still prayer can be avoided. A kind of Hanifa and Muhammad, if it's one third or one quarter is uncovered, still prayer can be valid. So, similarly, about the hair of the women, Abu Yusuf Rahmullah said, if half, less than half of the hair is uncovered, the prayer can be valid. A kind of Abu, Abu Hanifa and Muhammad, if less than one third or less than one quarter is uncovered, then prayer can be valid. About the hair of the women is hanging, you know, not, not on, on the head. Uh, one opinion doesn't matter because the hanging hair is not necessary to be covered in the prayer. So for the prayer, whether you pray alone, pray alone or you pray in public or husband or, or mahram or non-mahram, it's the same rule. Don't change. Is it clear? If you have any other question about prayer, ask because it is very interesting. People must know the prayer properly. So if someone is alone, so I guess I guess it's a bit of clarification. If someone is alone, can they pray when their arms are showing? You know, I, I mentioned when people are praying alone, wherever you pray, you must cover everything. But ulama scholars allow all the parts of the body which must be covered. If less than half is uncovered, still prayer can be valid. So for example, this is one part of the body. From, from wrist to the elbows. So if less than half is uncovered, prayer can be valid. I cut Abu Hanifa and Muhammad less than third. Similarly about the arm, similarly about the bike, similarly about the leg, about the thigh, any part of the body of the women, if less than half is uncovered, a cut of Yusuf, and less than one third or quarter, a cut of Abu Hanifa and Muhammad uncovered, still prayer can be valid. Still allowed. Is it clear? If somebody's, uh, for, for example, while they are praying, their hair, a little bit of their hair shows up. Yeah, that's fine. If it is less than one, one quarter, less than one third account of Hanifa, and less than half a card of Yusuf, it's still prayed by But is this something which can happen accidentally, or can you deliberately... Yeah, if, it's, uh, if accidentally happens, then no harm anyway. For example, if a woman is praying, and her scarf falls, and within the prayer, Quickly, she puts off the sun with everybody, even the whole hair. If the, for example, the child, she's carrying the child, the child puts the scarf, 
So she kind of put it back, and that's fine. There's no harm in that. Even the hole here, if the hole here come uncovered, and she puts back the scarf, that's fine. You know, the thing really, the problem actually is that, again, I say that people have made Islam so difficult, and I don't understand what people learn really. Some people, like some women, and I feel you know, so much, you know, for them, because if I put a, you know, topi or hat, I had a headache. Some women, they don't have only one head, one scarf, they have two scarves. But some people told them that if any hair shows your present not valid, unnecessarily problem. The women of the Prophet, the women of the company, they each have only one head, one head scarf. Now people have two head scarves. Tell me, if you have two head scarves, certainly you have jinn. There will happen head problem and headache and this and that, and then people say, go to jinn, to go to, to, to Raqi. People don't need this thing, really. you don't need to have this problem. You know, I have one head scarf and sometimes some hair should cover them again, simple thing. But no, no Quran, no Sunnah imposed on the women to have two head scarves. Never. Wives of the Prophet never, never had two head scarves. Wives of the companions never had two head scarves. This thing I have seen actually in this country, actually even in India, you know, in my family, everywhere, I never seen a woman to have two head scarves. But in this country, everything new, two head scarves. So I don't know where this has come from. Just need one head scarf. And always understand, be normal, like other women. Women in the past also used to have clothes. Sometimes their bodies become uncovered. Then they used to uncover. It's something normal thing. So it's not Islam is not something not normal. Sometimes arts will be uncovered. Sometimes some part of bike will be uncovered. Sometimes hair will be uncovered. So that's how normal things are. And then you may refer again, cover it. Simple thing. It is normal religion. So always make effort to be normal. And it is written in the books of the fiqh, not make, I'm not making it. Go and read Hanafi fiqh, Badal Sanaim, Hadat Akri, people who know what in my class. I, I read them properly from the text, explain in detail that what, what the text says. Nothing to, not from me, exactly how it is in the book. But people who, from whom you learn, I don't know who teaches people. There's so much to have two, two head scarf. I never learned in any book of the fiqh to have two head scarf. Nobody says. My question was, um, did you say that Zulkarnain was, uh, uh, he was a prophet himself? Was he a prophet? Yeah, I mentioned that actually some people say, but I don't prefer that opinion. I think he's not a prophet. There's no need to assume that he's a prophet. Quran never mentioned any, that he's Nabi or something like that. Or yeah, Quran mentioned about Khadib, Zulkarnain, nothing has been indicated as a prophet. Just say it says, Kulna Yad al Yeah, Kulna Yad al because that's position. Meaning is, when, when Zulqarnayn conquered those people, then Allah has given him this choice, like any Mujahid. Any conqueror who conquered, he has got this option. The same option he has got to Allah SWT is expressing the position with the word Kulna. Meaning now, Zulqarnayn has got these two choices from us. It is our, our authority, we have given this choice. But not by revelation, by the law. It is all the, all the time the law is there anyway. This law always exists. So there's nothing in the surah to, in, to indicate that he was a prophet. Uh, I had a few questions uh, regarding the previous question uh, about believers being soft towards believers and tough on disbelievers. If it is in the context of fighting, uh, why does it say uh, believers have to be soft towards believers? Because believers are not supposed to fight with believers. I mean, no, no, about any believers. When the Quran says Shidda al Kufar, Kufar means people who are on war with you. Those are un, uh, when the Quran says Jaiyul Kafirun al Kufar, the tough meaning is the people who have no hope to believe and they fight in war. 
tough on them. But the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, when he was in Da'wah, in Makkah al-Mukarramah, he was soft to everybody. Soft to believers, soft to unbelievers, to everybody. And, uh, the, and the same ayah, soft But for believers, you have to always be soft anyway. For unbelievers, tough when you are in the war. But none of generally, you will be soft with them. So, okay. Uh, the other thing is, uh, someone told me that Surah Kahf can be divided into four parts. And it basically deals with the four fitnas that human beings are tested with in this world. Uh, and it teaches how to overcome them. So can it be categorized in this way, four fitnas? You know, stories you can look from so many angles to analyze it. The way I did actually is kind to the theme of the Quran. That the main thing is actually amal salih and, you know, and sabr. And then amal salih and sabr, they need to believe in Allah's knowledge and Allah's power properly, and then how everything is connected together. I explained properly all the connections are there. But certainly people don't want to make major theme and connect all the stories together. You can divide in many, many parts. You can make many parts. You can see that, you know, the story of uh, as people of the cave is about the fitna of Iman and Kufr. The story of the people of the garden is about the fitna in the mall. The story of the Dhulqarnayn is the fitna of the power. People can make, but the story of Dhulqarnayn has come for the purpose. So people make all those, I know this, how people make it, this thing. But then no reason really. Quran and Muslim, all, all surah is connected together. One major thing, it's all connected together. And so don't divide them in the parts. And the last thing is, uh, what is the purpose that Allah gave so much details about uh, Dhul Karnayn's, con you know, his conquering? I mean. No, no, Dhul Karnayn, there was a question from the people of Quraysh about Dhul Karnayn. So Allah wants to answer the question, but use the question to teach something more important to just come how is teaching Allah SWT use the story to teach something and Allah SWT fit the story in a certain context so you answer the question but some details are to, you know, to teach people okay. uh, my question is not related to the surah it's actually to, related to the hijab um, uh, because obviously you mentioned about the hair being uncovered in the prayer and the prayer is valid I was thinking from the time um, uh, of Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, and, and the Sahaba, the women used to go to wars, and th there was so much poverty, they didn't have so layers of clothing to put on, like two or three scarves and, you know, too many layers of um, jilbabs and stuff. Of, uh, I'm just imagining the women who are helping the wounded and the injured in the war, um, um, Sahabiyat. They have head covers and uh, big, big head covers. And obviously we use safety pins to tie the hijab so no single hair strand is visible. And nowadays, um, you know, many scholars say um, complete hair is aura. So not even a single strand of hair should be visible to a non-mahram man. So at the time of Prophet ﷺ, the women, I don't think, obviously at that time, there was that facility to tie hijab with them. Certain types of ties and safety pins and all kinds of uh, accessories. So they were just covering the hair, like you know, it happens in India, Pakistan. They just cover a big uh, chadar, put a big chadar over their heads, and just they go out. So there's some strands of hair must have been visible. So why is the society different in perceiving the hijab? I mean, is it okay if the strands, some strands of hair are visible and? Um, somebody doesn't put their safety pins and you know certain ties and accessories to cover the hair in a certain fashion or manner that one hair shouldn't be visible. Uh, you know, apparently it becomes something else. Eh? I can explain this in some more detail. But first thing I should understand really, they were more pious than us. If Allah wanted to force them to cover their head as we think, they could not rather tie, tie with your chadar, with your clothes, tie properly like some people do, nothing can go for. But it never, never happened really. People said, 
you know, sometimes people's uh, uh, you know, uh, head is causing to fall, you know, and sometimes some parts are uncovered. You know, kind of, uh, the process has never become so tough. So generally, aura should be covered. But if part of aura becomes uncovered, Professor Rasam always has exempted. You know, even the men, leave the women. Men, when used to pray, women used to stand next to men, immediately behind them. Women complain to the Prophet that the men, when they go inside the, their private parts become uncovered. When they do inside the, the bike, the private parts become uncovered. So what should we do? If we have been, okay, make a barrier, but no, he knows barrier actually is a problem. The Prophet says, no, what, what, what you do, women remain inside the, until the men have stood up. You see, and the men are praying with, when their aura is uncovered. And the Hindi not say they're not valid. They stay pray like that. And not only one hadith, many, many hadith, Bukhari everywhere, many hadith. Same women, when they used to pray, sometimes, you know, their part of the body is uncovered, and then they are going to uncover. And because that is the Fuqah Abu Hanifa, Abu Muhammad, Abu Yusuf, Chief Justice, Abu Yusuf said, any part of the body, if less than half is uncovered, is still pray divided. Less than half. He said, Chief Justice, he said, and actually about the hanging hair of the women, people have two opinions. Some people say they don't need to be covered because they are not part of the you know, head, and head should be covered, and hanging hair, they are not on the head. So some people even don't, don't mind it. If the women's hair are very long and they're hanging, so some people say what they need to cover is the head, hair which are on the head, but not with hanging. See, two opinions. And some people say, no, all of this. So don't make you know, unnecessary problem. I'm trying, trying to say from the very beginning, be normal. And think properly that how people, normal people usually in that time, you know, in the time of Aisha Latranha, women used to get up later on. In the, some women came that, you know, we, when we have monthly cycle, so we get up in the, uh, in the night sometime to look, uh, you know, with the lamp, whether we still believe, believe or not. If we don't believe, then we can have bath and then stop in the night. He said, don't do this thing. Women used to be in the night. They never believe it. They slept. They slept. When they woke up in the morning, if they're not believing, then they start. Not in the, in the night, every half an hour, you, you check yourself. No, it's not made like that. Unnecessary problem. Simple thing is relax, be normal, believe in your Lord, surrender to Him, and follow His commands properly, and don't exaggerate. If sometimes some hair shows, cover them again, and if you pray like that, nothing happens. But don't make a burden to a head scarf. If you get you want a head scarf as sadaqa to a woman who is poor, you get more reward. Rather than covering two head, having two head scarf. Islam never commanded women to have two heads. It never came. No faqis, not leave the parts of Latin in Abu Hanifa, Malik, Shafi, and Humble. Nobody ever said women need to have two heads. Nobody said. Nobody ever has said. But then why is the reason that the societies nowadays have become so rigid in terms of external appearances and clothing that the real spirit is gone and it's everything is about external and not even an inch of skin should be shown and not even a strand of hair should be visible? Actually, in this country, I never seen this in India. In this country, people, I don't understand who's teaching all these strange things, which actually nobody, no, nobody exists. I don't know who made this thing. It does not exist in any book. No source, no Quran, no Sunnah, no, no Abu Hanifa, no Malik, no Shafi. I don't know where it comes from. So all this is in this country. I don't understand where the extremism has come in this country. Whatever it is. And all on the women. And the men, they can put on any clothes. They have Western clothes. They have, you know, everything. There's no problem. Yeah, everything for the men is no problem. We for women they have made all the burden, and especially the two head scarf that are something really I really feel very bad because there's no reason for that unnecessarily. Too much money you have to spend money for two head scarf, and also no air can come to your mind. So how can you think? People people need air, fresh air. Okay, you need to cover the yeah. surah as well. Mm. So uh, this is the 
Um, my question, I may, I might have missed the, the class because I came late, but um, my question is that when, when you first read about Islam, you think that everything makes uh, sense and everything has a purpose. But once you start reading about, so this is my experience, when I started reading about Dajjal and Mahdi, and, and leave alone Mahdi, but even Dajjal, I still don't understand what is the purpose behind this. Like, if, if a Muslim is in that time, and uh, how is he supposed to behave different from how he is supposed to behave every day as a Muslim? Like, are there any special requirements that Muslims of all eras need to know about that specific time? Because it seems more of a mythology that you have to believe in rather than uh, something that is of use as a, as a religion, you know, as your deen, you know. Like everything else, all stories have a purpose, but this one somehow I, I can't see any purpose. You know, the problem actually is not in the Jal or the, the problem is the story that you have been hearing. So many, no doubt, many, many stories that you are like, you are right, like mythology. The first thing I mentioned about the Mahdi anyway. Mahdi, I, I myself really don't believe there is any story, any authenticity in Mah Mahdi. So, you know, the, but the Jal doesn't matter. The Jal actually is, the Jal like men, like in this world, there are many, many trials happen. So weakness is not actually excused. So Allah SWT always warns people, make your iman stronger. It's, you know, weakness is a problem. So when people have weakness, their fitna trials keep coming to test and to clear the people who are weak, you know, they're gone. So Allah SWT has kept the biggest trial. Dajjal is the biggest trial of the mankind. The Prophet said from the time of the Islam, every messenger who came, he warned the people against Dajjal. So about Dajjal, there are something which are reality which I explained properly, and there are many, many things which actually don't exist anywhere. So be aware of that. So the judge is not a mythology. The judge is, you know, makes sense. Because when people lose Iman, Islam, then really it needs to be clear that who is believer who is not a believer. So the judge will come, and people will see him, and then will follow him, and that he is my Lord, because they don't believe in Islam properly. Only few people who are proper believers, they be aware. Allah SWT is way that people will not enter to paradise by belonging. That you belong. It must be firm belief. So when belonging becomes so much widespread, very very Muslims, but no Iman, certainly Allah wants to clear them. Go with Dajjal. That was Dajjal. Dajjal will come as a test for the believers. It always happens like in our time. So many fitnas keep coming. Why? So those who are fun of believers, they remain. Those who are weak, they, they are separated. They become unbelievers. So Allah SWT keeps bringing trials over the time. But certainly one trial is the biggest one. That is Dajjal. That will come at the end of the time. When everybody will be tested. And that really is the biggest fitna, biggest trial for the people. And that's why we have to ask Allah SWT to protect us from that fit, fit trial every time. And that's why when you read this surah, you understand properly that how to trust in Allah SWT, how to believe in Him and how to surrender to Him. So Dajjal is not a mythology. Maybe some stories that you heard about Dajjal, they are not correct. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Please support us so we can continue to bring you world-class content at www.cambridgeislamiccollege.org forward slash donate. And please don't forget to subscribe to deepdean.tv for more Islamic studies content in HD videos. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.